-hmm. We can look at your acute versus chronic load and talk about what you can, you know, or should or shouldn't be doing in terms of how much you should load up. Welcome to the Superwell Podcast, your source for truly holistic and original perspectives on health and happiness. Each week, we take true dives into the key areas of life with true leaders and true conversations. It's your time for a super well life. Hello, Super Well gang. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Today, I sat with Dr. Gabe Parker, and he's um, a magical chiropractor that I get to work alongside every week. He, he is a sports chiropractor. He has uh, lectured at the Sports Chiropractic Symposium in Australia. He's been on the Victorian Committee for Sports Chiropractic Australia. He's a lecturer at RMIT. He teaches the rehab course out there. Um, he's a clinician out at RMIT, and he's an out-and-out superstar. And the topic of conversation that we had was about transitioning out of the winter months into spring and summer, whereby people get motivated, they get that enthusiasm up, and they want to get out and train and get themselves into shape, get themselves fit, just get their body moving after the hibernation through the, the darker, um, shorter days through winter. And what we find in practice is that people often derail themselves by not having a structured training program or perhaps not being in the best condition before they start. So the conversation goes into a lot of, the diff a lot of different things, um, something that Gabe coins is, um, and a lot of people call it prehab, which is getting your body right um, before you start the activity. And then uh, we get into different things around training loads and intensity, equipment, diet, everything you can think of in relation to training. So it's a great conversation. There's lots of great information for anyone starting a program or just uh, who's just got into it over the past few weeks. Or if you know someone who's about to commence some sort of regime, it'd be great to share it with them as well. We did have a couple of interruptions along the way. Uh, Gabe, there was a gardener that rocked up at his house and knocked on the door a couple of times. So we had to pause and you'll hear those along the way, but um, they really don't affect the conversation too much. So enjoy the episode. And as always, if you have any questions, you can direct them to us online uh, where the podcast is at superwell.com.au or you can um, come into the practice and see us there as well. Cheers. Big Gabe. Marcus. Uh, thanks for joining me, mate, for this, this timing. Uh, the timing of this chat is very, very important given uh, we're right deep into spring, almost upon summer. So what we want to chat about today is people getting fit, trying to get that winter coat off. They've come out of the cold months. We've had a little bit, a bit of a blast of heat down here in Melbourne. They've, they've pulled out their exercise gears, perhaps a little bit tighter than um, they remember, um, and they're charged up, full of motivation, ready to get going. And we want to make sure that they stay on track injury-free and motivated, um, so you're the man. Thank you very much. Let's talk about it. Um, okay, where, where to start? Um, obviously, yeah, winter time uh, can be that hibernation period for people. Like uh, We often see people slow down a bit with in all regards, you know, so they stay at home a bit more, maybe eat a bit more comfort food. We might not see them at the clinic as much yep. uh, because they're not as active as they have been in the past, and maybe they, they just don't think... Uh, you know they're not thinking about their bodies quite as much and as you say that first day of heat comes it's like oh I might, might go out and go to the beach today and 
all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm not not quite as fit as I was. So, yeah, yep. um, that's it's it's a really big, it's a big area um, that we see as chiropractors, as a sports chiropractor, it's some something that I'm quite passionate about and interested about in talking to my patients because we often see. I think that's the whole purpose of today, you know, trying to avoid some of the pitfalls. We often see that people fall into very common pitfalls um, around their training, goals, diet, recovery even, um, that hopefully today we can cover some of those areas and actually um, give them some ideas of how to avoid those and actually get to their goal. Um, yeah. Obviously, in the perfect world, you know, we'd all train, you know, in, all the time and keep a good level, but... The reality is sometimes life gets in the way of work, family. We've both got families, we know. Yep. Sometimes, um, you know. Yeah, curveballs in there. Curveballs in there, and even, even injuries. So we can talk about this from the perspective of, you know, you've had a setback, whether it be something that was sports-related. We've got a lot of footy players at the moment recovering from finals footy injuries. Post-marathon 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 soreness, that's right. We can discuss a little bit about that as well because we had to train through the winter for that and how we, how you deal with that as well. How, how can you get yourself motivated? So yep. talking about goals as well. So yeah, It's interesting, um, in the introduction, I reference you as um, being a sports chiro and uh, I just had a little brainwave there that perhaps... A lot of people, when they hear those terms, will think of uh, someone who's just dealing sort of um, primarily with sports people, mm. um, as in a, a proper uh, weekly engagement or fortnightly, monthly engagement of someone who's you know amateur or professional, semi-professional. But really, it's not it's not specific to um, programmed sport it's just that you like helping people in that area to do with exercise and wellness uh, and that's where you really upskilled your knowledge um, so what I think would be great is to hear um, some of the lessons that you've you've learned that trickle down the principles whether you're an elite athlete an amateur um, someone who's just coming out of the winter hibernation hasn't really moved very much and wants to get going and I know you want to talk about um, training loads and um, equipment and all those things so let's Let's go into um, perhaps if I've come out of winter, I want to get fit. What sort of a self-assessment do I need to do first um, and what things do I need to have in place to ensure that I don't get injured? Okay. Oh, there's a fair uh, uh, depth of uh, yeah, question. It's a, big question. So it's a big question. So firstly, from a sports chiropractic point of view, like the, the reality is that I, you know, I see anyone that wants to move as an athlete. So yeah. it doesn't matter what age you are, what condition you're in. If you, if you want to be get fit and active, you're you're an athlete like yeah. that. So you know, and, and what how you want to do that really, I you know. So I've worked with elite athletes, you know, yeah. AFL players and top triathletes, all the way down to, you know, people who are getting on in life that um, are questioning whether they should go walking or not. And to me, yeah. I both ends of those spectrum are super important because we know that movement is life. So that's. Yeah. That's to dispel the myth that sports chiros are just for the elite athletes or the weekend yeah. warriors that want to play a specific sport. And even if your goal is just to be able to walk, um, you know, park run, 5Ks, which some yeah. people struggle to do, um, sports chiro is there to help you. So that's, that's, yeah. that's the first step. Um, that's like one of, one of our patients, David, who we won't say his last yeah, name, yeah. Who, who's been trying to beat a time around the 10, walk one Correct. lap at the 10 right. in a certain time. And that's his goal, just to try and walk that lap faster um, under a certain time. 
and the work you've been doing with him is is allowing him absolutely. to absolutely and yeah. and so what the big things I think for people are often uh, well, we talk about equipment first of all I, I think that's a really important part of when you um, first of all making sure you've got uh, a pro, you know sort of weather appropriate clothing for what, for what you're doing I mean we're in Melbourne so we've gone from 30 something degrees on Thursday to about 15 degrees today yeah. so, so making sure you've got if you're going out and about that you've got equipment that allows you to be not too hot and not too cold because if, you, if you're really cold your muscles and you're shivering and your muscles aren't moving very properly there's a high likelihood that you're going to injure yourself so just thinking about the conditions you're going to go out in that's that's a big mm-hmm. step um, if you've got a pair of runners that's five years old has been maybe sitting in the cupboard for a few months and hasn't been used um, I would say you're probably going to need to have, have those looked at or, and most likely you can need to get a more appropriate pair of shoes yeah. um, so um, at my Cairo, we, we work with some podiatrists. Um, I often assess footwear, so we'll just have a look at your wear pattern, um, whether the shoe's actually still functioning as they should be, so if they're actually resisting mm-hmm. some of the motions you want to be, um, so if you're overpronated, if they're supposed to be a high support shoe, if, they're, if I'm able to twist them out and wring them out, they're probably not gonna give you much support. Yeah. So um, that's a really important one. So actually looking at your equipment, if it's old and falling apart, I think that's a really good point too because I was at I was at the family beach house mm. on the weekend and there's a pair of um, Nike runners I have down there and it's when they first bought out their Luna um, range of cushioning yeah and so I bought a pair to give them a go and I really didn't like running them so I ran in them I think three times mm. um, so not really enough to wear it out and then since then they've pretty much lived down there and they're years old like I can't remember how many years ago they bought out that Luna range but it would have to be uh, five plus at least. Yeah. But just through the process of time, because they're made out of foam, it degrades. That's so true. when I put them on on the weekend just to wear around, I could feel that they were really quite firm, the cushioning, um, which I actually liked, because <laughs> one of the things I didn't like about them was they were too spongy. Yeah. But the foam is obviously degraded just through the process of time. So right. if you're just analysing your footwear by looking underneath at the tread pattern, that's not necessarily... Um, all the information that you need to know. Spot on, absolutely. And, and that's the thing, I've, I've had people come in with brand new runners. In fact, I've had patients come in with a new problem, like an Achilles, plantar fascia, calf, even knee and hip. Um, and they're like, I don't understand. I've, I've bought the same brand of runners I usually run in. I've been assessed by the podiatrist. Um, you know, we'll mention a brand name here. We, we often send people to the running company where they do treadmill assessment. And mm-hmm. all right, it's not 100% perfect, but it gives a much better idea of how those how your feet go in those runners when you're running versus just walking around the shop and going, yeah. oh, they feel okay. Um, and they said, oh, well, I've got, got this pair of runners and I've picked up this injury. And, and we assess their load and all that sort of stuff, which we'll talk about later. And I'm like, this. And then I actually assess the footwear and occasionally there are manufacturing faults. Yeah. So we have one, one, one runner that's actually acting like it should be and the other runner feels like a, a two-year-old runner. And yeah. I'm like, well, oh, there's been an issue here. And they go back and get them changed, and that often helps resolve the issue. So oh, right. that's, yeah, a, that's something that's a big. That's, well. a big yeah. that's a um, that's a factor I've, I've seen in clinic quite. It doesn't happen all the time. Most of the time, is especially your big name brands, and if you get a shoe that's appropriate to you. So, um, this is a big area actually that was really popular a couple of years ago, like the barefoot running versus yeah. you know like neutral support running. Um, and now we've got like shoes with rock, a uh, natural rock the in Hoka, there. That's yeah, right, yeah, yeah, the Hoka one. Or like the stuff. ones that Kipchoge ran in the other day that have that like carbon fiber yeah. that sort of rocks you forward, you know, Correct. to get propel. So we've gone from 
everyone should run barefoot again all the way back now to uh, really uh, sort of having super small pogos. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> correct. That's and that's so. Um, but if you look at there, I mean, everyone. You got. I treat everyone as an individual, so I don't go. Oh, you should. Everyone should run barefoot. There are certain injuries um, that that actually uh, seem to benefit from running um, barefoot. So, so knee injuries where they've had like, sort of anterior knee pain. Because yeah. um, running barefoot, you actually load up more on your forefoot and that takes yeah. a lot of the load off the knee. But and maybe, but then you're more prone to Achilles and plantar fascia stuff. And yeah. then if you're running barefoot with minimal, there, there are other injuries associated with that. And there is a higher injury rate. So, you know, horses for courses, most people are gonna end up wearing a, a sort of a normal pair of neutral runners. So you gotta make sure they're really, really good. Again, talking about the clothing, um, things like compression gear might be helpful, you know, for, we talk about recovery as well, make sure you're wearing weather appropriate clothing. So, you know, uh, stuff that's not going to chafe too much. If you're in your 1980s, you know, right up yeah. there, you know, running shorts, uh, I mean, I, I don't like them. <laughs> yeah. They chafe the hell out of well, me. Well, you got your big rugby legs, I've mate. Got my, that's, that's right. That's it. My little stick figures are all right. That's exactly right. And that's the thing. Look Not at that I'm getting around type. in my 1980s running oh, gear. I'm sure there was a running... I'm sure we did a run where you had to dig around your car. Yeah, yeah I did shorts. have those. Yeah, yeah, I did. In the so, old the old shorts out of the back that were getting donated and so. had to pull them out. They, they, are, they are short shorts. That's right. For everyone out there, I mean, he, he, he wore them well. He looked like a yeah. marathon runner from like 1984 or something. But, <laughs> uh, um, I think um, one point also, <laughs> just so you mentioned there, that... that Personally, uh, my own personal anecdote is that I'd all, always run in the same style of runner. Yep. And then in our marathon prep, went to get a new runner um, and they had actually changed the style of this particular one, which is the Nike Vermiro. So it didn't perform like all the other ones that I'd, I had had. Um, so I did not I did not buy those. In fact, what I went and did was went around to all the old second shops to try and get as many of the old style as I possibly could to, to buy a bank of shoes because I know that they work for me um, for a period of time until hopefully they change them back or alternatively I'll have to find a new suitable runner um, once these ones wear out. Yeah, that's and that's a, that comes to another key point in terms of if you're getting back into, say, running and perhaps you... You've heard about our marathon journey, and we'll talk a little bit about that perhaps today, and talk yeah. about some of the challenges we face coming back. Uh, I personally was coming back from a few months of not being able to run, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it took a while to get back into the running thing. Um, one of the big things is is having the runners that suit you. Um, I've had it myself. I've had a pair of runners that I love to bits, and then the company changed how they were making that particular brand, and mm-hmm. couldn't find it. So you have to go and search to find another brand that suits you. Um, if you are into the running as well, having some. Uh, runners to alternate so I, I during my marathon preparation always had two pairs of runners that I was alternating in yeah uh, just so that you you know um, you're getting uh, you're not wearing out just one pair of runners and often yeah. and it, it pro- prolongs the life of the runners as well but it also just gives you a, a slight difference to your feet and so it means you're, yeah. not, you're not running in the same thing day after day and sometimes you know sort of familiarity you know in terms of your body can be contempt a yeah. lot of people will just go out and hit the same route every single time. Whereas, um, I think variety is one of the big yeah, things definitely. that you make to training. Like one of the beautiful things about well, part of the marathon training was even on our weekly run, which often looked like the same route. There's a little, ver- you know, we, there's yeah. sometimes a little detour. The speed up you're running, the intervals. You so know. yeah, intervals, speed. Um, sometimes, oh, let's go up the hill. Yeah, just like, random. Yeah, and that also brings me to another really important thing in terms of getting back into your training. So some of the other tips is uh, tell people. Like yeah. one of the big uh, barriers. I mean, I I personally faced over the years, especially when my kids are young and I go into triathlon. 
I'm sure you're feeling the same thing. It's like we all have like a lot of people out there. But we're going to have families and yeah. other commitments. You're going to have work. You're going to have you know a spouse, partner, kids. You know yeah. even parents. Things that you know where you have. We all have responsibilities. Um, and then if you go from hibernating or being available at all times to suddenly saying, well, actually, you know, I want to run um, a 10K or a half marathon or, you know, I want to do a triathlon or I, my goal is to do CrossFit three times a week, um, suddenly you're not going to be as available. So yeah. um, having a big conversation and actually posting it up there saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting back into it, you know, I'm getting rid yeah. of the winter coat uh, and enrolling your significant others in your journey. Um, and hopefully not just, you know, letting them know you're doing it, but if they haven't been quite as active, perhaps inspire them to do others. I mean, part of the big thing that I enjoyed with the marathon was um, every Tuesday I knew I'd be accountable. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'd be finishing adjusting and doing my notes and um, Marcus would pop his head around the door, you're running, mate. And then, yeah, yeah I, even if I didn't feel like, like doing it that day and my brain was telling me, you know, everyone has those moments where the brain's like, no, oh, you know, have a rest today, you're a bit tired. Um, if, if you if someone pops their head around they're ready to go if you've enrolled other people and they're inspired yeah. or they're you've got a friend that's actually wants to go on that journey with you and you can get them excited about it makes it 10 times easier oh mate that would great and we the most, the most you know, I'd get, runs. yeah I'd get trained and make sure my friends are going and it's yeah. it, you know even if we didn't feel like it often we'd say oh we'll just have a little cruisy one yeah. And 10, 15 k's later, we're like, oh, that was an epic ride. Yeah, exactly. Starts out as a cruise, we get warmed up, and then we're off. And, yeah. and that's really important. So I think having family and friends around you as well. So I mean, so, so two big things. Yeah, equipment, definitely. So looking at runners, looking at your clothing. Um, the other, th- well, another big thing to go back to on, on that sort of thing, what, what, what do you, how do you get ready, is maybe go for a checkup. So, mm. and, and I'd say two or three checkups. There's probably a few things I would recommend. One, as a, for a sports chiropractor, I'd say uh, book in to see someone like myself and, and actually come in and have not just an adjustment just to see how your body's going, but also maybe book in for a longer appointment and have a functional assessment. So yeah. we'll actually have a look at your how your feet are going. What, what hips, yeah, hips, knees, squat movement, even yeah. shoulder assessment. Um, flexibility. Yeah, flexibility. A whole, there's a whole battery of tests we often do from functional point of view. It's not about... Oh, I'm in pain, I need an adjustment, which sometimes people come if they've been away for a while, they're stiff and sore and they haven't moved very much and things are locked up a bit. And that, obviously chiropractic is well known for helping people in those situations from that neuromusculoskeletal point of view, but also then going, how are you actually performing? You know, mm. um, How much can you move? And that can give us an idea of um, maybe doing some prehab or yeah. giving you some exercises. So um, if there is some dysfunction there, maybe some rehab exercises and some advice around how you progress those so you can get back into what you're doing. So for example, you're like, oh, I want to get back in the gym and I want to do my 100 kilo squat again. But if your squat's not very good, your knee's dropping in a bit or your foot's collapsing or, or your flexibility's you off, your, your lumbar spine's, you know, yeah. your, or your hips aren't flexing at all, so your lumbar spine's taking Take a lot of the load. Um, I'd say, okay, hold on a sec. I'd love you to do that, but we need to address some of these points. So your hip flexors need to actually get some mobility back. You need to be able to brace your spine. So we'd actually give you some build-up exercises. So you'd actually do prehab before you start actually hitting the gym really hard. And um, the aim there would be to actually do some injury prevention, so yeah. get neuromuscular control. A lot of sports nowadays, if you look at um, soccer, footy, they're doing injury prevention programs pre-season. So yeah. everyone would have seen... Um, I think it's Shields, the GWS guy doing the, the crazy Nordics and yeah. the hamstring that, and um, they're actually quite hard and they can be very painful. So yeah. they're done pre-season, but the whole point is to actually reduce 
to the logo. So the people who are listening, that like Dylan Shiel, he used to basically be kneeling and then um, be really vertically upright and then gradually, bit by bit, lean forward and try and do it as slowly as he possibly could all the way down to the ground. So his hamstring muscles were essentially the things that were holding him upright and had to slowly release. So it's an eccentric contraction of the hamstrings and that load was like strengthening him up to you know prevent him from hurting his hamstrings. Correct. And there are, um, the Nordic's actually part of the, like in soccer, the, what they call the FIFA 11 and they developed this 11 exercise program for pre-training. So it's a 20 minute program that the athletes do before they even start doing their training. And it's all about preparing the body for side to side movement, um, dynamic movement, change of direction, and having the strength, flexibility, and neuromus- neuromuscular control to actually do the demands of the sport. And it's, it's applicable to any sport where there's change of direction. So um, netball has the knee program, so because yeah. the prevalence of knee and ankle injuries is massive in those sports. So if you're someone that's considering getting back into a social basketball comp, you know, for summer, you know, getting back into it, or going out and playing, um, like some touch rugby or you know any sort of those sports, I'd highly recommend a functional assessment and then maybe doing some of those pre uh, those pre activity warm ups, making sure your body's actually ready. That's another area. Of I think that's really that's a really important point because what happens, you know, um, a large part of exercise. What I've found, especially when I used to do personal training, was that uh, motivation, like people, it, it, it's not linear. Um, and that when people come out of winter and they have this motivation, you really want to harness it. And what can really squash the motivation is injury. Or like, you know, someone might have a goal, they're trying, like, I want to get back to my 100 kilo squat, and then they might hurt their lower back, um, and it deflates them, right? So then they, then the moment passes, and then they all of a sudden, the goal is like, uh, well, I'll move on to something else. Or alternatively, even worse, um, you know, if we use the basketball example you just you just gave, they set out to have some recreational activity. They want to play basketball with their mates, have some fun, bit of fitness. Um, so they just engage in it and don't do anything to prepare their body, and they do an Achilles, or they right. you know do their knee. And then what they have then is a bigger problem in that not only um, do they have just a niggle or like they're losing some motivation, they actually have to find the motivation to do the rehab properly. To for a ruptured Achilles or an ACL Absolutely. injury, and which is something months. that yeah, and something that was originally meant to be just you know once or twice a week, um, as a bit of a social activity. Now means you have to invest a lot more time and energy and effort into rehabbing your body um, back to like a, a state where it's actually able just to function for daily routines. Correct, and yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big bigger deal. deal. So quite often that little bit of prehab um, to prepare your body for the workout should be seen as an investment really um an investment in um, your body to make sure that you don't just get to the goal that you originally set out but it prevents you from having more significant time investment to try and repair something that you never wanted to occur in the first place absolutely you know they talk about five p's you know proper prevention prevents poor performance yeah and you call it six if you want to yeah that's correct i'm happy to write i'm happy to write and and that's right so um but sometimes just preventing that injury as you say and then you know if you've got a achilles rupture you're selling in a moon boot for you know 12 weeks maybe more and then suddenly that you know you're even that little bit of conditioning you might have got from the social but is is totally gone gone. you're actually going backwards yeah you go way back you, you can't even move properly and you're, you're yep. really you're, you're more immobile so or worse um, imagine the 100 kilo squat guy if he does his back blows a disc right. out in the back and then all of a sudden you've got all sorts of problems you can't even you can't you can't even drop to work you can't 
your t- time you're immobilized. Exactly right. you know, yeah. like it, it becomes, imagine if you have your own business, it's very problematic if people don't prepare their Abs- body. Absolutely. Um, in yeah. the right manner. Uh, and I think uh, the other thing as well, so we talk about like some, some functional assessments so we actually know what, uh, how your body's moving first of all. So just getting a gauge. That doesn't mean you can't do stuff. So I often say to people, look, walking's one of the easiest activities to do to get started. So, yep. you know, going for half an hour walk, most people can achieve quite easily to start with. But I would say that, look at your runners, make sure you're wearing comfortable clothing, get moving, but we may not get into, um, you know, very hardcore weightlifting straight away because yep. we go, oh, well, there's some functional deficits or areas, you know, we'd like to improve before we really ramp your performance up. So yep. that's... Um, and, and I'm, I'm sure, area. I'm assuming you, we've never had this. I've never asked this question, but I'm assuming you'd be the same with me in this regard. That if someone wants to do a 100 kilo squat and we find something in their yeah. functional assessment that says, "Hey, here's a risk," yeah, um, I wouldn't be saying don't squat. I'd be saying no, let's modify that right back, correct. right? Absolutely. And we want you to be squatting because that's actually going to help you. But if we take the load right back, it allows you your body to learn to do the movement properly first. Absolutely, and then we build it up. Correct. in a more gradual manner and, yeah. um, and we throw in some other activities at the same time to try and help accelerate that absolutely um, so it might come down to yeah um, go okay there's poor hip flexibility right so if we if we can do a warm up and actually stretch your hips out you, you might actually improve your squats we might do that in the clinic you know we yeah. do some treatment we, we loosen up the hips we show you how to stretch them and then we look at your sit to stand and all of a sudden you've improved so okay well if you go to the gym and warm up properly, so warm up is very important, so getting yourself moving, maybe some dynamic stretches, so some lunge and squat type movements without any load, perfect. Making sure you know how to switch on your core and do the movement properly. And then we might start you off with the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, and you do yep. three sets with the bar and then you might add a couple of small plates. So you're doing it in a correct manner. And then we know the long-term goal is I want to do a 100 kilo squat or body weight squat. Yep. Um, but that might be a couple months down the track and, um, and that leads us very nicely into a, a load management, which is a really big factor in, yeah. in what we see. So I'm going to segue right sort of into that. Perfect. So that leads really up, I'm going to ask a question of you first. Yeah, right? As you were it, saying yeah, that, yeah. and this will, be, this will feed straight directly into the information I know you're about to give. A great question, I think, for people to ask themselves when they are engaging in activity is, will my body cope with this, right? Because essentially... All training and all exercise is meant to push your body to a certain limit, but not beyond. And what you want um, from exercise and training is a form of eustress where it challenges your body and your body has to adapt to that challenge. Now, um, if we have um, functional deficits, it's quite easy to push our body beyond that. And it may not even be in that. So we talked about squats and hip flexors. So the functional deficit might be a problem with your hip flexor um, function. but what the, the area that might get pushed beyond its load um, capacity might be your L5, S1 disc. Because because of the functional deficit in your hips, the force gets distributed somewhere else and something else gets blown out. So um, will, my, um, will my body cope with this is a really great um, question. And the best way to try and under, answer that question is to not try and go full ball, it's to build up to it, which then comes into play the idea of load and load management, which is yeah, where you're going. Yeah, absolutely, and that's, that's 
very well said, exactly, because it's often not an area where the deficit is, is maybe the issue. It's somewhere else that compensates or takes extra load and then fails, you know. Yeah. So, it, you know, you know someone's, someone might have poor forefoot mechanics, so they load more into their Achilles, for example, and I'm just giving a rough yeah. example, but, you know, then the, the Achilles ruptures, but it's not the Achilles' fault necessarily. It mm. could be poor footwear, it could be poor forefoot function, could even be, you know, problems with the knee or increased torsion that's creating more movement through the Achilles, and over yeah. time it breaks down. So the, the thing is, as you said, you stress versus de-stress de is, uh, you know, distress is is really a good thing because training is not often fun. Like you know, mm -hmm. you know, when we were training for the marathon, some of those longer runs, you you go through all sorts of pain zones and you know, like emotional, body, pain. emotional yeah, yeah, and physical. Your legs start to hurt and things start to tighten up a bit, and you're asking yourself, "Can I handle this?" And if you've managed your load right, the answer is yes, I can manage this. So what you know. Some of the longer runs we would have done, like you know, high twenties, early thirties in the marathon training. Now, if you said to me, "Oh, I want to train for a marathon," and it's say four months away, and you say, "Oh, I'm going to go out for a thirty k run this week. I'm going to get started," I'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, you've got to yeah. put rein yourself in." You know, yeah. when I decided to get back into the marathon training, my long run was five or six k's. Yeah, you know, which was when we went out on the Tuesday. And we just started doing a few of our interval sessions. Yeah, because yeah. I hadn't run very much for a while. Um, and I need, I know I wasn't conditioned for that sort of load. So the big question you've got to ask yourself is how much have I done uh, um, and, and you know, in the past, so your, your actual level of fitness. Um, and in the sports world, we talk about chronic versus acute load. So just to give, because that's a very easy term to say, oh, chronic versus acute. What does that actually mean? So what they actually, what they actually talk about is acute load is how much you've done in the last week. And yeah. that will give you your level of fatigue, soreness etc because yeah. you know, if you work out properly you will get some degree of soreness versus your chronic loads how much have you done over the last four weeks yeah and you want to keep that ratio around about 1.5 so you want to you don't want to be massively going into an acute load um, unless you've got a good base of fitness and yeah. so your chronic load is quite good so um, as, as a, so if you look at it if you've done if you've got a good chronic load, so you've done a lot of training over many, many months and you've got a good base, so people talk about base, that's your chronic load, how, how fit you are, say for running, for example. So right now I've got a pretty good chronic base because yeah. between uh, May all the way through to October, I was running consistently anywhere between 40 and 65 Ks a week. So yeah. there's a good chronic load, so there's my average. Now an acute load is how much I'm gonna do in a week um, and what they talk about week to week is um, the research has shown that if you go above 10 to 15% in a week uh, of, like, of more than what you did the week before, your injury risk increases dramatically. Mm -hmm. so, so if people haven't done more than a couple of walks a week and they decide to go and run 20Ks, the, yeah. the likelihood of them getting injured is extremely high. Mm. Or they might be all right that one week. But, but the, the next, next week, week yeah, if they load it up again... Oh, or even if they try to do the same thing, like their body's still recovering That's because correct. it took so much out of them. And they would, and they'd be a lot sore than if they'd built up to it. You know, mm -hmm. like It got to a point where 20Ks on a weekend run felt mm -hmm. almost easy. It's only when you push it out to 30, it started to challenge a bit yeah. more in the marathon. And it's the same with doing weights. You know, like Sometimes the difference between 90 and 100, it, it doesn't seem like much, but it's just... You've got to build up to to that point where your yep. body can tolerate that load and recover from it. So it's yep. not, not necessarily even um, just that one offload. Sometimes you can do an acute load, sometimes a little bit more, and then be able to recover. But if you do that chronically, yeah, you know, massively load your acute levels, you you will end up getting injured. And the research backs that up with athletes. Mm. They 
the ones that continually have a, an acute load or an overload each week of more than 10%, maybe more than 15% if they're really good athletes, they start to fall apart. And yeah. um, we often see this some of the big sports teams, you know, they get new coats, they've got a new conditioning guy, he really wants them to be fit. And pushes them hard. And pushes them really hard and suddenly there's this like injury after injury and people are like, oh, what's gone wrong? Well, yeah. generally it's, it's load management that's yeah. gone wrong. You've gone way too hard. Yeah. Um, especially when you're starting. So if you, especially if you've gained a little bit of weight over the winter, um, uh, and we'll talk a little bit, I think diet's probably another big factor yeah, in there. Some there. Some okay, yeah. beautiful. So I mean, we don't go into that because I think the important thing is to not to load more than 10%. That would be my take home message. If you've yeah. walked twice a week over the winter and you've done you know, six to eight Ks each time, you could probably add an extra walk, especially if you haven't done much, or you could start yeah. going with a jog. Often I'll say to people, with your jog, you might add in 10 minutes of one minute on, one minute off jogging and then walking, yeah. and then you slowly build up from there. And then once you've got a base of four weeks of where you've done a bit of running, you can then start to load up that 10% each week. And it, yeah. Sometimes it seems slow, but you know it's also like there's other factors at play i think and this is why someone needs to come and if someone's engaging in this they need to have conversations with someone like yourself um because inherent within our bodies we have like a natural capacity as well so we have a natural capacity then on top of that we have a base that we develop and then we have the training load further on um i'm doing a hand gesture here which is not going to help anyone (laughs) in the podcast but anyway um so the natural capacity like if someone's only walking and they've had, they've had two walks a week in winter, they could probably add three more walks in a week Absolutely. and it's not going to do anything That's to them, correct. right? Because right. it's well within the body's capacity. That's right. But then um, a base is different to that though, That's right? Because right. a base actually builds on your natural capacity. It actually increases your natural capacity. So you, you have to get beyond that point of challenge to start creating That's the right. base, right? Yep. So then you have this natural capacity, then you have a natural base that you'll have developed through... Um, years perhaps of activity so like when we started the marathon training remember how quickly um all of a sudden i got up in terms of time and distance yeah. because i have always ran i haven't That's really right, had a period yeah. of time off so my base was already there and i hadn't really tapped into it um and then it was, it was like a exponential graph it just really tapered off quickly and then yeah. i had my challenge point you know to Absolutely. grow from yeah That's so people right. have a natural base and yeah. everyone's natural base it's a different you, point. Yeah, and you have to find out what it is, yeah, but you exactly. need perhaps need to do it through guidance um, as well. Correct. Then you can build a load strategy around that as well yeah. because um, you don't want to underload either. Like, cause, oh, 100%. You know, and that's a big thing as well that people don't push themselves hard enough. So yeah. if you, as you say, you could probably walk every day and never challenge because we're designed to walk and move. Yeah. Uh, but to suddenly go out and run four minute Ks for, for 20 minutes, you it's, may not be quite ready for no, that. Yeah, no, and, totally. Um, and I know... Like, yourself you probably can and whereas like it took me a while to actually get up into that those paces again because yeah. i'd had a break yeah for, you know i hadn't done that sort of level whereas before i had a base where it, like you said you know you could almost if you did a couple of weeks of training something think something would click and you'd be able to get yourself into that zone again but you had to manage how often how much you did that yeah um, but if you didn't push yourself into that zone you would never be able to get to the next level in terms of your training so yeah that, that's it, and, it's, and it's it's variable and everyone's slightly different, but it's very important to come see someone like ourselves, get a functional assessment, um, get a health check, like maybe see a GP, especially if you've not really yeah. looked after yourself. So if you've put a lot of weight, blood pressure, other, you know, you know, blood your, tests. Yeah, blood sugars, um, you know, just baseline markers, even inflammation. Yeah. That's actually another thing we can talk about is, and it comes in with the diet as well, is 
If you're inflamed, um, there's actually research that's shown that if you have really high blood sugars or um, metabolic syndrome, as it's, it's known, not necessarily yeah. diabetes, but you're, on, you're getting on the way, you know, you've got more visceral fat, you've got yeah. a bit of insulin resistance starting to happen, um, you're actually more prone to things like tendinopathy because you've got low-grade inflammation in the body. Yeah. Now, and, and I have patients that rock up and have got Achilles tendinopathy and they actually haven't walked for months. You know, they yeah. haven't actually done any excellent. Like, what's going on? Often, it can be also due to weight gain because it's more yeah. load in the body, but sometimes they're, they're, they're not obese in the BMI category, they're only slightly overweight, and suddenly they're, 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 their tendons are raging, yeah. and that can be due to inflammation as well. So that's another factor to look at. You know, yeah. What have you eaten and what are you eating? Because that fits into the recovery part yeah. of it as well. So that's an, so getting, yourself, getting your baseline down pat is actually not a barrier, especially if you've had an extended period of pretty much inactive, um, not really done, you know, anything to really push yourself, you know, uh, breaking out the old runners and then just going out for a 5k run straight away may not serve you very well. No. Um, that being said, if you have got some baseline, you have done some activity, some walking and maybe, you know, some resistance work or something, you, you might get into it a little bit quicker. So we talk yeah. about that, that trainer, but I think if you're not sure, there's a big point I think is to talk to a health professional and actually get your baseline down pat. Um, even if, even if you went to the gym and you've been very sedentary and you're getting a bit of weight, they'd probably mm-hmm. get you to your, to see a health professional to actually get the clearance to do your exercise. Yep. That's a really important thing. So if you've had some health challenges, definitely uh, get yourself checked out first. And make sure it's not going to be detrimental to really get into it. Let's talk about diet um, mm. whilst we've gone down this path. Um, so. Nutrition's super important. I know myself in our in our marathon prep, um, I stuffed this up um, because I kind of treated this preparation a little bit similar to the last time we did a marathon, um, which was nine years ago. Yeah. Um, so a little bit older now, uh, but at the time I was doing triathlon back then as well. So I had a whole lot more load, um, but I was eating a lot more too, like significantly. Probably I'm eating about a third of the amount of food that I used to eat back then. And I kind of just um, adopted the same like pattern of training um, with my running, just minus the other activities I was doing. But in my mind, um, I sort of gave myself the okay to go a little bit harder in my running because I didn't have the other activities, and because mm-hmm. I, I was giving my body had more time, I yep. felt to recover. But what I didn't adjust for was an increased requirement of nutrients. Yep. Um, and then you know uh, I burnt I. Leg- legitimately burnt myself out so i had to take a month where i sort of did only one run across four weeks to allow my body to restore and recover because i hadn't um factored in the the nutrition properly um and my body had that base and i was able to build up to a certain point but then when i started pushing it i went you know went south um so um after just recently experiencing that um i think it's something even if you know a lot about stuff it's really easy to to stuff it up so okay. I think there's yeah. two parts to that conversation you can take over from here one is the inflammation part you were just talking yeah. about and then two is also like the nutrient requirement requirement um, angle as well so I think if we can touch on both of those and what what things people should and shouldn't um, consume it would yeah. be a great thing too oh, yeah really good excellent question and really good uh, um, sort of um, relay of like some of your situation I think everyone even if you've been involved in sports and, and activity for a long time we all, we all make mistakes still I mean mm-hmm. I, you know I had, I had a calf injury during the marathon training I actually was managing my load I thought and you know obviously was pushing hard 
ran up a hill chasing Marcus because he always <laughs> sprints up the hills and I'd been tight from my Sunday run and um, you know I thought it settled and it pinged so that that was a bit like yourself you know two yeah. or three weeks of managing having to reduce and being annoyed so it does happen to everyone I think in, in terms of diet I think the first part is like what things to, to that we should or shouldn't be eating I think first of all and then talking about recovery and Mm-hmm. And, and and managing oh we've got someone knocking it we'll pause here for a sec <laughs> okay excellent back into it um so talking about nutrition firstly i think just your day-to-day stuff to manage especially if you're getting back into it so you've got your winter coat um big things if you want to manage inflammation especially um sensible diet lots of veggies i mean salad you know fresh veggies are really really important um, um there are certain uh, supplements that I, I do use and I recommend, things like magnesium, just for your, your, like yep. your muscle function, neural function. It's involved in over 300 processes in the body, magnesium. So, And uh, we know from some of the research papers that we're becoming deficient in it because our soils aren't getting um, repleted enough, so we're not, we, you know, we get depleted. So um, that's, that's important. Things like vitamin C, uh, turmeric, you know, fish oils, even just oily fish, like, you know, your, your tuna, salmon, sardines, mackerel, yeah. uh, that can help, you know, the omega-3s we know are anti-inflammatory. So just a basic, sensible diet, um, just to help your body function well. Um, there are some people that, that promote um, low-carb or high-carb or plant-based. Um, I think it's a very individual thing. Um, everybody, everybody has different types of metabolisms. Um, if you look at what a marathon runner eats versus a, a, a weightlifter, you know, yeah. or, you know, bodybuilder, it really depends on what your goals are. So that we'll talk maybe about goals in a little bit. So, but I think as a general rule of thumb, you know, a diet that's high in, uh, fresh veggies, salads, a little mm-hmm. bit of fruit, especially your berries, which are high in antioxidants, things like your oily fish, making sure you're getting good quality protein. So you can get yeah. some grass fed meat, meat or chicken, you know, free-range chicken and some wild-cooked fish, that's fantastic. If you're a vegetarian, uh, things like your eggs. If you're okay with dairy, some, some good quality sources of that, but that also depends on how you go with those sort of things. Yeah. But making sure you get, you're, you're, you're looking at those. And, you know, we've got fantastic naturopaths at my Cairo, so if you're yeah. struggling, you know... That's what I was uh, about to that. say. Make sure you don't just try and just get it from some blog. <laughs> Uh, just because talk, talk to the professional about it. That's right. right. So um, yeah, and there's a heap of tests people can do, like blood tests, but also things like a microbiome test, and oh, this yeah, stuff gives you sure. great information about where your body is at Absolutely. right now, um, so that you can create a um, a nutrition plan that will help maintain um, your exercise plan and Absolutely. program and help you reach your goals, whilst at the same time not creating too much inflammation in your body or or other problems along the way. Yeah. Foods to avoid, and this is a big one. I think this is actually more, maybe more important. If, you, if you're getting some, like an 80% really good quality, so you're getting your veggies, your salads, your good quality proteins, and we need proteins for repair. Um, we do need some carbohydrates for fuel, especially if you're doing endurance sport, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, but things to avoid, I mean, they seem, maybe it seems sensible, but we, we sometimes forget, like, things really high in sugar. Now, people are then gonna say, hold on a sec, you know, what about when you're doing a marathon and you're having a gel? There's a difference. When you're doing a very long endurance um, event, um, your body, you're gonna want readily available carbohydrates. And in those situations, a high quality gel or high sugar foods in in an acute short-term situation are what we need to get through it. A ripe banana, a piece of fruitcake sometimes. People use all sorts of things. A dino bar. 
I mean, there's a there's a hundred and one ways to get a, a fast fix of sugar. Some dates, you know, yep. I've used in, in triathlons, you know, dates with a little bit of coconut oil, yeah, and um, just to you know give you a bit of fats and and some sugar just to keep yep. you going for that long endurance event. But if you're doing a quick five k run, you don't need a gel. Yeah, you, know, you don't need high sugar foods. And so I'd be saying, you know, especially if you're going out first thing in the morning, I'd often just get up, have a drink of water, and go for a run. Yeah. and then come back and then you know i'd have some proteins you know, yeah because we need protein to you know sort of repair the muscle especially if i've had a hard run um and then some good quality carbohydrates so i like things like brown rice white rice if you like basmati um i have sweet potato um so um having good quality foods things that the big things to avoid like your really high sugars so like your lollies um you you know sort of your processed chocolates i must admit i'm a choc um, i'm a chocoholic but i <laughs> try and stick to really high percentage dark chocolate yeah so i get my chocolate fix and the percentage of sugar is a lot lower yep um i can see a nice 78 percent block yeah just sitting that's there, just sitting there ready yeah. to go yeah. yeah there's probably another one floating around somewhere there's usually a couple here so it's yeah so yep. those sort of things um and then uh things like your your deep fried foods i mean now, that's not to say once in a while having a, some hot chips, you know, especially on a winter night. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm an angel and I'm perfect, but yeah. uh, trans fats, you know, processed fats, so like your, your margarines, your, yeah. your deep fried foods, um, are, are very much associated with high inflammation and poor met- metabolic control. So yeah. if you can avoid them, that'd be great. And unfortunately, they're found in a lot of stuff we like to sort of um, comfort eat. Biscuits, cakes, yeah. a lot of the stuff that's made in supermarkets yeah. is often, are often um, uh, you know, full of these ingredients. If you ever actually look at the ingredients list and some of the stuff that the supermarket makes versus what you might be able to make at home as a healthy alternative, yeah. this is something I'm sort of pretty big on. Like, you know, they'll often have margarines and palm oils versus, you know, like coconut oils or you know, yeah. olive oils or good fats. Yeah. Um, and a big shout out to Tamsin here. Um, because she made a cake for Gemma. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. This is like a, it was a sugar-free, you know, gluten-free cake, you know, made with some almond meal and some, and it tasted amazing. It was a chocolate cake she made. So you can actually have delicious foods without, yeah. you know, by totally. using natural ingredients. Um, you can make banana bread with, you know, almond meal, some bananas and some honey and, yeah. and a couple of eggs. And it's in moderation and it's delicious. Yeah. And you can actually still get your fixes I'm not saying I've got a sweet tooth I enjoy yeah. a snack but you can often find some really good healthy alternatives maybe nut flowers um, without sugars you know with some natural sugars and it, this comes dates. back to load again right like in Absolutely. a different form like if you're loading your, your digestive system with stuff that's you know causing it harm yeah it's, Absolutely. It, the more you do it um, the, the, the higher the amount the more often that you do it then it's harder for it to repair and recover. Um, and then also it's harder for it to absorb the nutrients that you do Correct. require when you are eating yeah. the right thing. So it's like Spot a double-edged on. sword um, to eat too much of that bad stuff. So if, you, if you're trying to train and you're not eating, you're thinking, well, I'm training, I can eat whatever I like. And that's a mistake often we see in endurance sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I would, I've fallen into that pitfall before because you, you're training lots and you can, you can pretty much eat a lot if you're burning a lot of calories without putting on weight necessarily but that doesn't mean your insides and the inflammatory markers are happy so yeah. that's another reason why i say you know getting those markers checked and watching them as you go along is actually quite important because um, it give you an indicator of actually what's going on inside versus just oh well i've lost a bit of weight and i'm feeling i'm, I'm a bit fitter yeah you know might might be just a cover up to some high inflammation and maybe some tendinopathy brewing so that's that's something i would 
yeah. do it. Now, when you're training, I think uh, protein is quite important because it's a, that's your your repair for your muscles. Mm-hmm. So uh, the general recommendation is of one and a half to two grams of protein per kilo of body weight as, yeah. as a general rule. So um, if I'm sitting on about 80 kilos and I'm really doing a lot of weights and, mm-hmm. and, and that, so I'll be looking at getting 160 grams yeah. a day. Which really isn't that much. Not that when people much. think, think like we yeah. say protein's a big recommendation, yeah. we need protein, but if you go to a steak restaurant, pretty much the smallest steak you're going to get is twice the amount of protein that you require. Correct. Right? So, you, so can, you can get it quite easily. And if you, you're vegetarian, I mean, there's some excellent um, high quality uh, whey products and mm-hmm. even even some of the the um, vegan sh- um, like protein shakes are really good now. So yeah. you get high, you can get 20 to 30 grams per scoop, you know, yeah. it's like... But if you're um, eating beans and correct, and that's um, right, normal stuff, diet, yeah, even, even, you'll probably get there anyway. Even if you're eating a, a, what you say, uh, think of as like a carbohydrate-based food, often if you have a look, there are a few grams of protein. So that's a you know you can mm-hmm. de- definitely get your daily amount. But you, you should be aware if you're saying you're a very high-carb diet that you might have to just be aware that yeah. especially if you're doing like you endurance get sports, in. get get some more protein just for that repair. Um, and I'm not against carbohydrates. I think some, you know, there's been a lot of people talk about, you know, like yeah, they get low carb, and and yeah. and I think as a general rule, I'd say, you know, like most people are okay with eating carbs. I'm not not necessarily bread, not necessarily <laughs> gluten, but you know, some sweet potatoes, some you know, like starchy veggies, maybe yep. some rice. Most people can tolerate those quite well. And if you're doing a lot of training, a lot of running, especially, if you look at what those Kenyans eat, they eat ugali, which is a maize-based, yeah, uh, starchy. Um, um, grain-based product they eat a lot of that just to get their fuel yeah um, so they're not anti-car but they also eat, if you read some of the, the books on the Kenyan runners they eat really good veggies and locally sourced meat and it's yep. a really clean diet it's really, really simple I think I, I always talk about this method of, you know pick pluck calves like if you <laughs> if you can't pick it out of the ground yep. pluck it off a tree or carve it out of an animal and have it sitting in your hand either ready to eat how it is or ready to have one method of yeah. process like cook, putting it on the cook's yeah, top yeah. and then putting it in your mouth then you shouldn't really you shouldn't really be making that a major contributor of your diet yeah. and um and basically the only thing um you need to concentrate on is um volume of of each element and you can't really overeat <laughs> vegetables you know um apart from things maybe perhaps like potatoes yeah. or stuff but um having lots of veggies is is always going to be awesome for you. Absolutely. Um, and then when it comes to things like, um, you know, perhaps cut, uh, like, you know, starchy-based yeah. foods or, um, you know, your, your heavier-based proteins like meat, you can obviously have a little bit too much of that stuff. Absolutely. Um, so you just need to try and make sure that's a, a lesser portion of your overall consumption, but it's still required, you know, in there. And um, most, most of your diet plan, if, if, you want to, if you want to lose some of your, your winter coats, you know... Um, I'd say the biggest portion of your, your food should be like your, your, your non-starchy veggies or salads. Yeah. Like if you've got a massive plate, five, you can eat 500 grams of salad and you're probably only going to get one to 200 calories. Yeah. Like with, you know, so if you're talking about like actual input heaps of fiber output, and nutrients. And then, uh, and micronutrients, you know, you're getting heaps of uh, minerals. vitamins, minerals, etc. Um, you're getting the fiber, so your, back, your bacteria and your gut love yeah. fiber those, those go nuts and they, they they create like short chain fatty acids from having all that that fiber in there so they actually yeah. produce some of the essential vitamins that you need by actually feeding them so yeah. that's 
Um, and the ones that are in there that are nasty, they'll die off because they reduced, they're, not getting, right. they're not getting the, the um, fuel that they need to survive. Correct. So. Yeah, really t- I mean, we could go into micro round. That's probably yeah, a that's whole a, other... That's another. That's we're going to do that gonna, with uh, <laughs> Rach and Fiona yes, one day. We're going to do micro round. talking about some of the... I mean, you know, there's pros and cons with me and, you know, certain... Um, bacteria in your gut and if you, you can read some conflicting stories with that but I think your general main thing regardless of where we talk about like supplementing to uh, augment your you know microbiome especially if you have things like IBS or whatever that's a whole other um, ball game we're not even going to go there today but I think as a general rule if you're getting plenty of fiber in your diet your gut's going to be a lot happier things are going to move more you know yeah. not moving much in terms of exercise and then not eating a lot of fiber often leads people into things like constipation and feeling yeah. really sluggish because toxins are getting back into their system which again talk we talk about like motivation you know like it's, it's when you haven't moved for a while and you um you know you're not eating as well some simple changes like going for a walk every day and then eating some veggies can often just make a big change into just feeling more motivated and moving better and internally moving better which obviously is going to be beneficial uh, when it comes to exercise we talked about the protein obviously about recovering some carbohydrate if you're doing endurance sports that's fair you know you can and you can talk to some 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 of the people that really specialize in this and um i i would give say general advice to people and then i would yeah. say well, if you really want to get down a really nitty gritty somewhat like a naturopath or a dietitian yeah. who's probably going to give you like your spot on advice but keeping it clean I think that's one of the biggest things yeah. you can do um, and obviously making sure you're eating uh, appropriately now Marcus talked about not eating enough now Marcus is one of these um, he's like a Kenyan you know he just gets skinny yeah, yeah, I put kilos skinny. on I think I put two on since the marathon actually there you go and, and I've gone the other way because I'm, I'm being, I have to be conscious I'm one of the people that uh, Marcus talked about my rugby legs. Like I think my yeah. legs contribute to about two thirds of my body weight <laughs> at the moment. Like, yeah, so I've got I've got a bigger build naturally. So um, it you know like to do endurance sports takes a bit more work, and Marcus sort of uh, kind of trimmed down quite quickly. But then, uh, as you said, he probably wasn't eating quite enough to match no, it. No, definitely know, wasn't. Yeah, if you're not eating enough to match your output, you will start to break down. Whether it just mm. be your body starts to let you know some issues or you start to actually break down muscle for fuel which then becomes detrimental to performance yeah um and that and your recovery takes a lot longer and then you feel like absolutely you know you're going for a run even if it's an easier run you but your body's still not recovered like the cycle just continues on and that's kind of yeah that's what happened to me in that a couple of week period like i sort of fell off a cliff there yeah um, and it takes a while to get it back because you've got to rebuild muscle totally so, it doesn't um, take like two weeks it takes you know a good solid month yeah. or more so um, i think this is a good point maybe to just recap quickly what we talked about so far one you know you think about getting off the couch and getting going again obviously check make sure the equipment you're going to use is going to be good another quick point on that is also where you're going to train make sure yeah. it's safe like yeah People injure themselves just because equipment's gone faulty, or yeah. you know, if you if you've got your home gym and it hasn't been used for a while, just you know, give it a bit of service, make sure things are actually working properly. Because if a cable snaps and it you know snaps back at you, that's an yeah. injury. And again, we've talked about like an acute injury actually yeah. pushing you back into not moving again. So that's a quite an important thing. So it's probably a good time for us to do a bit of a recap here. Um, of, of everything that we've got to this point. So do you want to just fire off um, a few points? Yeah, a few pointers. Um, firstly, if you're getting up and going again, get your family and friends involved. And if you can get a mate helping you or working out with yeah. you, as we've found awesome. in my car, it's the best thing to do. Um, 
make sure your body's ready for what you're about to undertake. So perhaps uh, seek some professional help, get a baseline marker, get some functional assessments done. Make sure your equipment and your clothes are all you know up to scratch, ready to yep. do what you want to want to do with it. Um, uh, look at your diet. Have a bit of a clean up um, if, yeah. if if you've been a little bit, yeah, you know, putting on the winter coat over the yeah. um, over those months. So um, maybe do a bit of prehab, pre prep, yeah, pre- like prep. physically and also chemically there, and uh, even mentally as well. Yeah. Like talking to your friends, enrolling people, um, yeah. you know, even talking to someone like ourselves and getting motivated and yeah. you know finding out what we're doing and yeah. getting excited. Maybe even picking pick an event or something yeah. you want to work towards. Right, I want to I want to play social basketball again and get a team together or. I'm going yeah. to go do a half marathon. So just have that little bit of a, a an idea of what you might want to do. Uh, think about your load. So um, chat to myself if you want to come and chat about your goals, and mm-hmm. we can look at your acute versus chronic load and talk about what you can, or, or, you know, or should or shouldn't be doing in terms of how much you should load it up. And then working again, that works in with your specific goals to um, get you to where you want to be. You know, in the sort of short term and then in the long term. My long-term goal of all my athletes, and that's anybody that wants to move in life, and that should be pretty much everybody, yeah. is to get you to that level where you know you, you you can do this day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year, to have a very happy, healthy move movement for life. So yeah, that's, cool. that, 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 that pretty much sort of sums up what we've done so far. so far. So I guess um, probably the last thing that's, that's relevant to talk about um, is setting of the goal. Yeah. Um, a lot of this has been, we've sort of talked about, um, I guess, the preparation, the mechanics of trying to achieve mm. something, but what is the something that people want to achieve and, and how do we go about seeing that goal and, and, and what should be, um, what people should be aware of when they are going about that? So what have you got for us? Uh, okay, yeah, that? so that's, that's a, uh, we could spend probably two hours talking about goal, goal setting, setting within yeah. itself and how that works. Um, the... the um, we often talk about intrinsic and extrinsic motivations. So, um, so for example, I'll use myself as an example. You know, I had a health challenge last year, wasn't running for a few months. Um, and then, you know, chatting to Marcus and the guys, and then suddenly it came up, oh, why don't we do the marathon? You know, so there was a kind of an extrinsic goal, kind of a bit of a pressure, not not bad pressure, but kind of like, oh, there's something out there. There's we might like to achieve, itself, yeah. something presents itself. So. Um, you might find there's something that catches your imagination. You think, oh, that'd be really, really good. For me as well, it was getting back into training. So there was part of that intrinsic, uh, you know, I've always done some training. So I used to play rugby league. I did triathlon. I've mm-hmm. cycled. I've, um, I surf and I do a whole heap of other sports that I really enjoy. And that's what we talk about, like that movement for life. Have fun. Get to that level where you do something most of the time. But, you know, I hadn't been able to do much for a while. And then it was like, I was like, okay, this, I wanted to get fit, but then also a goal presents itself. So um, having a little sit down with yourself and thinking about, well, is there something I've always wanted to achieve? Now, for some, I've got clients that have come in and go, you know, I, I, I've always hated running, but I'd really like to be able to run 5Ks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so there are really good programs like uh, Couch to 5K. You can get an app and you can yeah. actually work, you know, so we it work together. It teaches you how to do it. And it teaches you how to so you might So you might have a little think about some of your bucket list things, something mm-hmm. that might inspire you. So... Um, I had a patient the other day. It's like, oh, I've, I've always wanted to try surfing, and I'm, I love surfing, so I talk about it with them. And you know, think think about how you might go about that. So, making sure you're physically ready. So we've talked about that, but then setting yourself a goal. We'll get a lesson. So there's yeah. a point in time where you say, 
you know, first day of summer, I'm going to go get a lesson. Yeah. You know, that's your first step into doing it. And then looking at researching, you know, what equipment you might need. Marathon training is pretty How much easy. time it's going to take? Like, are you going to be able to fit it in? Correct. Yeah. And dialing all that, all that in. So you've got to actually take into account your work commitments, your life commitments, um, cost. I think yeah. that's, that's a big, some of the big factors nowadays. I mean, people um, at times, you know, having to uh, weigh up, you know, you know, cost of things and what... Um, what they're going to be able to actually get themselves into, which is why running sometimes, it, or even just a, a, a local gym membership, is quite easy. To, you know, a lot mm. of the pay-as-you-go gyms or twenty-four-hour gyms are twenty bucks a week, if that, and you can you can get yourself a program, get yeah. yourself going relatively easily. Most people have a pair of runners or can get a pair yeah. of runners, and all you need is a pair of shorts, and yeah. off you go with the run. Even if so, they're short, even if they're really <laughs> short, and I'm, I'm having to like, yeah, just be like, oh. Way, way, way more Marcus than I want to say, I want to say that much. But um, so, yeah, thinking about uh, what you might like to do, and then what you actually have to do is then break it down. So, um, for me, going out and paddling out to a big beach break is not necessarily an issue because I've been surfing for about 16 years and I've had the experience. Um, if you're a beginner, you know, I'd be recommending a small local beach with rolling gentle waves, yep. a foam board and all that stuff. So you've got to actually look Familiarize at yourself with the water. what's and... actually attainable straight away. It's yeah. the same as like running a marathon and if you have never run a 5K, there's a big yeah. difference between that. So your first goal might be just to get off the couch and do some small runs. Um, and then you might have some weight to lose. So, you've got, so you might set yourself some small measurable goals. So say you've put on 20 kilos over the winter, say you've had a really, or you've had an injury, something unfortunate has happened, you've been off doing just normal activity your first goal might be step by step losing that weight in you know in even two to three kilo steps you know mm-hmm. long-term goal to get back to your optimum weight and then doing a say a couch to 5ks is your first step um, and you might be um, you might be at a point where you go well next year so it's a year now till next Melbourne marathon that would be an achievable goal for someone to say, right, I'm going to lose this weight and then I'm going to start training for a marathon. I'd say, if you've given yourself a year, that's yeah. probably quite achievable because yeah. my first six months would be, say, weight loss and then just getting that base level of fitness going, which still gives you four to six months to, train to actually up. train up and yeah. get ready for a marathon, which and is it'll be totally a lot easier. Once you've lost the weight, your body will be able to function at a higher level. Absolutely. So, yeah. so it's, it's, it's have been very, very measured and achievable. So... Um, and, and that comes with also looking at where your body's at and being very honest with yourself, you know. Yeah. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimist. I've seen people with really bad injuries come back and be able yeah. to function very, very highly because they see the long-term goal, like, say, running the marathon or riding a six-foot wave, um, but they also see the short-term steps they have to achieve each of yeah. And making sure you break down those goals into very small, bite-sized chunks. So yeah. it might just be... I'm going to eat healthy day to day, week to week, 80 20 rule, for example. That's what I like to give people is, you know, yeah. 80% really, really healthy, 20% a little bit of leeway, but trying to keep it on the better yeah. side of what you want. And then so that you might eat 80 20 week to week and so you lose half a kilo to a kilo each week. And that's healthy and sensible. No crash dieting. Yeah. I try to set people things that you'd want to set for life rather than setting for yeah. life just, just for right now. Because long term, if you run a marathon and you really enjoyed it or you've always had that as a bucket list, you might find once you're in that level of fitness where you're doing that, you have one or two a year where you actually just, you have a nice uh, kind of wave model, as I call it. And life is all about waves. You know, yeah. You're never always at the top, always at the bottom. I, if you can keep those waves nice and even and you're going up and down, you can yeah. keep yourself at a really good base level. So the line that goes through the middle of the waves, and I'm waving my hands around, no one can see it. But yeah. if you think of it as, as 
anyone's ever done maths, like a sign model. Most most things in life are on a sign. Like your yeah. your blood sugar levels don't stay at a flat line. I call no, flat line up, dead. You know, like yeah. someone's flat lining, they're dead, right? So your heart rate is variable. It goes up and down in yeah. the waves. Um, and same sometimes with your fitness levels and your weight. But what you want to do is stop that being really massive. You know, big. Uh, big peaks and big yeah, big, yeah that's correct so you don't want to be the big up and the big down you want to keep them in a nice um this is a tight range you know yeah. we look at our blood sugar levels usually within you know between three and five is a rough general rule people go oh that's pretty good uh same as you like your thyroid stimulating hormone it's a certain level your your blood acid level is always at a certain point so it's the pH is just right for your body so mm -hmm. if you throw things in that throw it out you're going to go up and down really, really hard so You've got to look at keeping that nice, even wave, but having that baseline that's at the optimum level most of the time. And if you can work that into your day-to-day -day life, just think of that yeah. as a model, rather than thinking about like, I've got to keep it at this one point the whole way. Yeah. I mean, think about your weight. I mean, even myself, like, I would say I'm a generally healthy weight range. Even Mark's like, we can, we can fluctuate a couple of kilos over a month. You know? Well, and I that's, have and that's, two kilos up since the marathon. That's great, and that can be quite normal. And, um, I would have said if I looked at Marcus, he doesn't look much different, you know. Yeah. But, but that's that's relatively normal. It's, you just don't want to be going. Right, I'm going to crash diet over a month, lose ten kilos, and then swing back and then gain ten or twenty kilos, yeah. which will often happen. So, for me, it's about keeping it within tight ranges and then looking at the long term goal. Yeah, you might want to lose twenty kilos or thirty kilos. You might want to run a four minute kilometer, but if you've only been barely walking, you're not mm -hmm. going to go straight into that, you know. Yeah, and um, you can and that. Keeping a tight range, um, like you're suggesting, with a, a wave that has smaller peaks and troughs, um, what you want to do is, um, by keeping it like that, allows you to lift that average bit by bit, right? Absolutely. But you're yeah, still keeping a small peak and trough, but they just get right. better Absolutely. and better you and better can and increase get more efficient. Line. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, it's, if you go really far out of the range too quickly, yeah. you tend you're to get a trough. You're going to get a trough. You're gonna, there's, there's usually a kickback. Whereas if you, you push against the boundaries, and I'm not saying that's not like as Marcus said before. The you know under you know sort of not doing enough can be as worse than doing too much. But you, you've got to actually sort of monitor yourself so you're not yeah. you know if you look at that ten percent rule with your load and you know yeah. like and like even with your diet. So you know even if we said ninety ten, you know like yeah. keeping it around no more than ten to fifteen percent yeah. above that acute load or all right, I'm at a party, I'm going to have a couple of drinks and have a snack. Okay, fine. But if you do that every night, there's, yeah. going, to be, there's going to be an imbalance. You know? Totally. And it's the same as if you try to run your maximum speed every single time you train. Like, you know, I love reading about the Kenyans because they'll often, they talk about their runs, like they'll often get up at five in the morning and the first thing they do is they start walking. Yeah. And people are like, oh my God, these guys can run at two minutes 50 per kilometre. Yeah. But they know they've got to warm their body up. So they'll start with a walk and then they slowly jog and then they build up into their run. Yeah. And then they may only just jog that day and then tomorrow or that evening they'll do a harder run. They, yeah. they're, they're monitoring their load too. They're not. Yeah. That, that level of fitness doesn't come overnight just because you were born. No, nah, it's steps. You're going to run. They've taken those steps over time. So I think setting your goals, breaking them down into little bite-sized chunks and then looking at, looking at fitness and performance, not just as an acute oh, well, I'm playing footy now and, you know, this is just it. And we see this a lot with some of our ex-footy players. <laughs> you know, watch mm -hmm. the AFL, they, they're under this load and they do it and then suddenly they stop and they haven't planned for lifelong movement. Yeah. To me, being being human is being a performance machine. So, yeah. you know, it's about trying to make sure you can perform through your years and, and, and adapt to changes that naturally happen anyway. So.
that'll be about my yep. conclusion on that. No, that's good. I agree with all of that. I mean, the, the, and I think uh, the last part I'd say is making sure you have a healthy level of enjoyment in your goal, right? Absolutely. So like you ha- yes. Things can be challenging. Um, so like when we train for the marathon, you and I discussed this, that um, it, along that journey, you increase your distances that you're running. And um, up until sort of about 25 kilometers on your long yep. run, it's still enjoyable. Yep. But then once you get beyond that kind of point, they become like quite long in terms of time as well. And it's good to be outside and it's good to be running, but it's harder, it's physically harder. The enjoyment factor sort of starts to wane a little bit Correct. beyond that point. So you have to enjoy the overall process and enjoy what you're trying to attain and enjoy the um, camaraderie and the yes, you know talking absolutely. to each other about what you've done. And then your other runs during the week, because they're less you know yeah. um, taxing, you know they they are all still enjoyable the That's actual um, activity, but you need to have the enjoyment on multiple levels. It's Absolutely. not just it's not just doing something. You know, um, it's not the enjoyment of, from doing the actual activity or the squeeze um, within the activity. I, I just realised we have omitted to talk about um, strength training and weights oh, to this point. Yes. So we'll do a quick fire, um, yeah. a little fire into yeah. um, those. Um, so yeah, you you fire off. You okay, it's just some quick points. Yeah, and that's it's just something I, I like to. Even if you your goal is to do an aerobic based activity, uh, there's there's two big components. One is strength training. Um, so the, the big thing with strength training, and this is a quick point, is one more uh, having more muscle mass equals better metabolic rate, which is going to help you, especially if you have a weight loss goal at the same time. Even the best and lightest Kenyan runners now are doing. Uh, even body weight strength based training to yeah. uh, for functional movement and for maintaining the you know like sort of uh, being able to maintain their lean mass yeah. and it also is an injury preventer because it you know it helps you with your neuromuscular control and actually um, you know strengthening your tendons and certain things like that so and if, if anyone knows who Aliud Kipchoge is yes. the guy who just broke the two hour mark for a marathon you go on his Instagram page and you have a look at the Instagram TV stories, and he's got three there or four from when he, they go for about 15 minutes each, I think there's four of them, um, and it's all about his preparation in his training. And then there's a section about when he and the Kenyans come into camp to train, yeah. and they go in and they do um, around, I think he says around two to three hours a day of like body weight That's type right. act, it's, and yeah. you can see them, it looks like they're doing Irish dancing and aerobics all in this room together. Um, as part of their preparation yeah. and um, it's part of cross training as well so yeah. doing different so if we're just running it's sometimes very linear motion so going in doing like a body uh, body pump class you do different movements so yeah. it conditions your body to, to work better uh, so the, the main benefits yeah strengthening your muscles and tendons uh, neuromuscular control and then also like injury prevention those are the big things and then yeah. the other thing I'd add to that is also doing a, at least a couple of times a week a little bit of flexibility work just yeah. some yoga or you know just some stretching just to just to allow you know blood blood flow to improve through those areas and to aid the recovery so that that'd be about it I mean we could spend hours and hours doing strength all training. These I think things, it's but, really yeah. important though to you know there are a lot of benefits to strength training because a lot of people might get in that their their post winter kick might be to get into the gym, you know, yeah. do some weights and um, you know get their beach muscles going and so forth. And <laughs> the, um, the same principles that we've talked about um, so far yeah. apply as well. Absolutely. Um, I think um, there's there are a couple of points that I'd add into that in that um, from an injury prevention and a degenerative 
um, prevention perspective, flexibility is king. So if you're just doing weights and you're tightening your body up um, and you're not getting all of your joints to move in all of the directions that they're supposed to um, through their full range, um, you'll actually increase the tension around a joint and which will then increase the load and the degeneration of a joint. So flexibility has to be a component if you're doing um, weight-based training and also running and walking and so forth. And the activity, really. I mean, there's the balance between the the strength of of doing certain things or even getting your beach body, which is fine. I'm I'm all for I love going to the gym as well. But um, you've got to... It's, you know, we talk about balance. So, you know, you don't, you don't want to be so stiff and tight you can barely move your arms. I mean, look at some of those bodybuilders and don't want to bag any bodybuilders, but some of them kind of reach around behind their back probably. Yeah. And it's like, well, functionally, they're not actually going that well. Yeah, they're not performing. They're not performing. Yeah, their body well, isn't so performing well. They might look, um, look amazing, okay. phys- their physique. Yeah. But um, for me, like, as someone who enjoys many different activities, you know, that if you, if you want to live life and, you know, like you're going away and something goes, oh, do you want to go and get out on a jet ski or something and do a bit of, you know, kneeboarding? You, you want to be able to move in many different ways and things yeah. like yoga prepare you for that, strength training prepares you for that and just getting out and doing other and activities. you look at someone like a 100-metre sprinter, yeah. they're huge. Yeah. They're big guys. That's right. Um, but they're also unbelievably flexible. So you, you, you don't have to do one at the expense of the other. Um, they can both be achieved at the yeah, same absolutely. time. Um, and also with um, strength training, um, whether it be just going to the gym or doing CrossFit or F45, uh, we spoke about goals. I think really important um, within these environments is understanding your own personal goal mm. and, and also where you, you are at because um, a lot of the more onboard people or you, you call it on-ramp people uh, when we discussed this before the podcast and They'll do it in a really good way. They'll assess you. They'll make sure you understand your deficiencies. They'll give you exercise to try and help get your body back into balance and functioning correctly. But um, once people get into the environment where competition becomes involved or you assess yourself against someone else, sometimes the drive to try and um, beat someone else or be equal to someone else will mean there's a diminishing um, effect in your own um, output in that you'll lose technique or you'll you'll push yourself beyond your capacity yes. um, and then that's when injuries and stuff occur so but if you understand your goal if you understand where you're at and like you said when you were talking about goals you've chunked it down and you know yeah. your journey um, then you can avoid um, some of those pitfalls that we see people in practice coming in with when Absolutely. they've injured themselves in those environments. Yeah, we, we see that often people, um, sometimes there is a deficiency in the on-ramping, but that's not as common as, especially for us guys, like we see someone else, you know, like clean and jerk 100 kilo, like, oh, oh, he's, he's smaller than me, I'm going to do that. And that's where we see sometimes the breakdown because we're yeah. pushing beyond that capacity or that acute yeah. load. So, you know, it's just being aware of, uh, like Marcus has just said perfectly, keep into your journey. I mean, our, when we were out running, Marcus is a faster runner than me in general. Like, so sometimes when we're doing intervals, he's he's taken off into the distance. I, You know, I had to temper myself not to try and keep up with him every single interval because I knew where I was at. You know, I had a certain specific goal yep. of where I was with my times and where I was physically. Um, and that doesn't match with Marcus, who's, mm-hmm. you know, someone like, 10, 15 kilos lighter than me, you know, different yeah. build who runs a different style to me. So you've got to, you, um, you've got to sometimes just remember your, your journey, where you're at, and it can be totally different to someone else's and sticking to, you know, being happy within yourself, uh, you know, and then you'll often will tick off those goals and get to where you want to go. So yeah, uh, yeah I think that's a really good place to finish on. Yeah, great. Well, look, thanks for your time. Um, Pleasure. 
I'll just do a quick rehash for everyone again because we've, we've sort of jumped around a tiny bit. Yep. But at the end of the day, we want people to be active. We want people to move. Um, movement is so crucial um, as a human being for so many things, whether the flow and effect here, metabolic um, functions in your body, your mental health and well-being, connection, camaraderie, it's, it's enormous. So we encourage people to get out, get involved with local communities, mm. local activities like park run and that, you know, they just... They make things more enjoyable. They make Absolutely. life happier. Um, just make sure that you have the appropriate equipment, your body's functioning in the right level, you understand where you're at, you have appropriate goals, you have appropriate nutrition, and um, you'll get the most out of yourself when um, you know you start engaging activity again. So, Absolutely. Um, thanks for tuning in, and um, happy exercising. Yeah, get into summer. Enjoy yeah, yourselves and get, get yourselves going. It'll be fantastic. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Superwell podcast. For more information on any of our episodes, head over to www.superwell.com.au and you can get all the episodes there. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can also find links to iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you want to continue the conversation on with us, then head over to our Instagram page at Live Superwell and follow us there and comment under each episode. Uh, if you want to give us any feedback, you can also get in touch via email on the webpage too. So until next episode, Live Superwell.